Okay, so it's a horrible, drab January day outside. Um, it was raining, but it isn't anymore. But yeah, it's one of those horrible January days, and um, I'm not a big fan of January as a month anyway. After all of the uh, light and glitter of Christmas, you then go into the drab, dead January. Um, can't wait until spring arrives. But I thought it was time for a podcast. Now, originally this podcast was going to be uh, about me, uh, which sounds quite vain, doesn't it? But it was going to be about uh, the Two Towns book and the development of that and the photos and just talk a bit about it. But I came across something during the Christmas holidays that I think I need to sort of like discuss now. And this is all to do with going through the BBC News uh, website, which is... um, you know, it has certain stories, doesn't it, during the Christmas holidays. And one of the things, as they're coming into the, the end of the year, they take a look through the people who have passed away during 2020. And I had a look through, and it was the usual sort of like names mentioned, the ones that I'd caught a, a, a glance or had read about. Uh, but there was one name that stood out for me, and that was Chris Killop, the photographer. Now, Chris Killop is a photographer that I've mentioned previously on the podcast. But for many years, he has been my favourite photographer. Um, the work that he produced... I mean, especially when I was a photography student, um, he was the man to beat, in my opinion. Um, just the quality of the images, the way that he in- interacted with his subject matter, uh, the subject matter itself. Uh, he just really went to town and set the standard, I think, for social documentary photography uh, for a long time. And his book, Inflagranti, which if you can get your hands on a copy, is well worth it. It's uh, a brilliant book. Um, Is how I got introduced to him. Um, So we'll start really there. I came across Chris Killip, first of all, as a photographer, when I was reading a photographer magazine called Practical Photography. I don't know whether you can still get it in the UK. It might have been um, absorbed into another publication. Uh, But it was a fantastic magazine that uh, I used to read through when I was just starting out as a photographer. uh, An amateur photographer, that is. I used to enjoy sort of like flicking through the magazine and it used to have articles about equipment, interviews with photographers. Uh, And at the beginning of the magazine, there used to be a news section and exhibitions that were going on and book releases. And it was in the book releases that I came across Chris Killip for the first time. And I believe in the same issue, Martin Parr. Two photographers that I would have two very different reactions to. Um, So that I always, whenever I think of uh, Chris Killip and Martin Parr, I always think that they're two sides of the same coin in some respects. They're doing a lot of similar work, but they're doing it in very different ways. Uh, Chris Killip was large format black and white, and at the time um, Martin Parr was all about flash and colour 
and the way that he interacted with his subject matter and everything. So both of them were sort of like connected for me because of that first introduction. But Inflagranti was Chris Killett's book that really got my attention. Uh, I should have actually got a copy at the time, although, you know, it probably would have been expensive. I actually managed to get one later on. But for many years, you couldn't get uh, your hands on a copy of the book without parting with quite a few uh, notes. Uh, it was very expensive. I believe it's been reprinted again uh, recently. I still think it's quite a lot of money, but it is certainly worth uh, the money if you do come across uh, a book like that, especially if you can come across it on a, a car boot sale or a garage sale or something like that. It would be uh, well worth picking up if you can just get it for, you know, a few notes. So what was Inflagranti about? Well, Inflagranti was really bringing together a whole lot of images that Chris Killip had shot in the northeast of England during the 1980s when there was a lot of deindustrialization going on up in the uh, north of England. Uh, what had happened was, was a lot of the industries, uh, shipbuilding, uh, steel plants, all sorts of, you know, manufacturing, all sorts of different uh, factories and industrial plants had closed because they were no longer economically viable uh, which led to large areas of wasteland and mass unemployment and in some cases social migration uh, where I live uh, this town had a steel plant and the steel plant was closed while it was still profitable it was still making money in 1980 and within a short time, a fifth of the population of the town had gone. They'd moved. Purely because there was nothing else uh, here. It was basically destroyed. The, uh, the, or certainly crippled. Let's not say destroyed the town, but it certainly crippled the, the town. And it's only really in the last probably 10, 20 years that... A lot of the changes have started to come through. It's all been landscaped. Uh, unless someone told you, you wouldn't really have a clue if you were just driving through that there'd been a steel plant here. Uh, loads of walks. Uh, there's a cycle route that comes through. It's It's been drastically changed in the last few years. But back in the 1980s, um, you know, the northeast of England in a lot of places was pretty grim. There was not very much in the way of investment. A lot of people felt forgotten about. A lot of uh, the mass employers, like shipyards, which I can remember as a kid, uh, went. And also there was also the, the, the landscape changed drastically. Where there used to be big ships being, uh, being built, uh, they were now being... Uh, there was now nothing. They were just empty wasteland. So Chris Killip tapped into that and was trying to show that there's people in Britain at that time, what was known as Thatcher's Britain, that were, were forgotten about. And because he started showing the lives of these people and what was going on in the North East, uh, his book Inflagranti became quite political. Not really because he was waving a flag, or, but because the photographs 
were showing that not everybody was benefiting in the way that they should. Now, this is still quite an important topic here in the UK. At the moment, there's um, a saying going around, which is levelling up in politics. Uh, the idea is with levelling up is that currently the UK, the south of England gets more investment uh, and is economically stronger than the north of England is. And this has been an historic problem for quite a few years. This is really what Chris Killett was trying to, to tackle in the book, even back in the 1980s, but it even goes back before that. There's Don McCullen pictures from the 1970s, which show some of this. And really the problems sort of like start to occur when industry started closing down in the 1950s and 60s, and there wasn't really anything to replace... Um, those large-scale employers. And uh, so, you know, it was a problem that was developing over a long period of time. Only now are they starting to see, one, actually acknowledge that there is a problem, and two, attempt to try and do something about it. Now, the more cynical would probably point out that the reason for this is is the northeast of England was well known for being a Labour heartland where the Conservative Party couldn't get that many MPs. At the last election, they managed to get quite a few MPs into former Labour seats. And so now they've got to deliver with promises that were made and they want to try and keep hold of those seats um, to deprive them from Labour. So you could argue that there is um, a reason a rather cynical reason for these uh, political parties doing this in the northeast, wanting more investment in the northeast, because they've got uh, an interest now. Whereas before, of course, you're not going to be bothered interest, uh, investing in somewhere that doesn't vote for you, are you? If you are, it shouldn't be like that. But sadly, that's the way that it is often in politics. So. Like I say, Chris Killett sort of showed that back in the 1980s. Martin Parr, at the same time as Chris Killett, was sort of like doing a very similar thing, but a lot more in the face, with the colour, with the flash. It was very brash. It was very 80s. Um, certainly very influential. I know when I was uh, a student in the 1990s at uh, art college, and especially when I was uh, doing my degree, Martin Parr, was very influential on the type of photography that was being made. I was not a big fan at all. Um, I didn't like the brashness. I didn't like the... I didn't like the tone that he had towards his subject matter to a certain extent. It, it seemed as though he was either trying to be neutral or semi-critical. Almost um, taking the mickey. Um... It didn't seem very sympathetic, is probably the best way of putting it. It didn't seem very sympathetic towards his uh, subject matter, which I always thought Chris Killett was. Um, people were doing really hard jobs. Some of the most famous Chris Killett images are actually of people who, for a living, used to collect sea coal on the shores of uh, the beaches 
in Northumberland, what used to happen was was that uh, the pits that were that were working along the coast used to dump their rubbish in the uh, in the sea, and the sea base the sea tides basically used to wash and filter all of the the sea coal and deposit it on the beach, and then they would go along and they would be able to dig it up and bag it and sell it. And that's what these people did. A really hard existence, amazingly tough conditions sometimes. Um, winter days, going out with the horse and cart and fierce winds blowing off the North Sea. The images basically say it all for themselves. Uh, he did actually produce a book called Sea Coal, which I have, which is absolutely amazing, which was uh, sort of an offshoot uh, an extension of Inflagranti, I would actually say. Uh, some of the images that are in Inflagranti are also in Seacole. But he did take some amazing images there. And um, But whereas Martin Parr seemed to concentrate on more passive, uh, there was the politics there, but I don't know whether it was... It was rather an odd one to read because I know people who would say, you know, that it was a comment about Thatcherism and then other people would say that it was um, a vindication of. Um, so people didn't really know whether it was sort of like pro this idea of the yuppie in uh, in the UK and all of the conservative ideals that were being put around at the time or whether it was... a. Um, yeah, whether it was a criticism. Um, I think they could be read in a very ambiguous way, the Martin Parr images from the 1980s, uh, whereas Chris Killips, you really had to take them. At, there's no misinterpretation there, um, which I think is one of the, also one of the other reasons why I liked Chris's work. So... The book list, uh, Wikipedia is quite a good place to, to start there. There's quite a few uh, books. Um, the Isle of Man is where he is one of the first books that he did, which was published in 1973. Chris Killett was from the Isle of Man and he basically documented the, some of the community, did portraits, beautiful piece of work. Um, there's Chris Killett, 55, which I've got, which is a, a small book that came out in 2001, but it is well worth having a look if you can. And it might also be, be quite uh, affordable. Some of the larger books are very expensive. Uh, you have to have deep pockets sometimes. Inflagranti, that's been um, been released uh, again. I mean, there's, there's quite a few... Uh, yeah, there's quite there's quite a few. I mean, I noticed actually there's Inflagranti two, which is a second larger format edition of the photographs constituting the eighty eight book with two extra photographs. I always think when I do things like that, it's a bit like a a, a remaster of uh, a favourite album, isn't it? You know that uh, you know that you can get. It's I always think it's a bit cheeky, but I suppose it's just a way if it gets that work out. Um. Then you know, then it's then it's done. I mean, there's 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 quite some some interesting uh, books listed there. I'll have to see whether I can actually find some of them because they might be. It'd be great to have all of these books in. I mean, you'd need a book 
big bookcase, but it's it's really quite a, a good list of the publications of his work and uh, well worth a look. It also lists some of his major exhibitions as well. So that's that's on the Wikipedia page. I'll make sure that that's in the link section. And um, yeah, so basically after Inflagranti, he decided that he would go uh, and lecture as a visiting lecturer at Harvard University. And 1994, he made a tenured uh, professor and basically re remained as a professor of visual and environmental studies until 2017. I mean, quite honestly, what a fantastic teacher to have teaching you um, about photography and visual language and things. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I mean, the environmental studies actually is quite an interesting area for him, visual and environmental studies, because of course we kind of forget that with his photography he wasn't only just showing the people, but he was also showing the environment that the people were working in and that desolate um, hard-bitten northeast England landscape that there are even still people, even now, still think that a lot of places like Newcastle are still like that. They 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 aren't. They develop. They move on. They change just like anywhere else does. But there's still quite a few people that if you said Newcastle, they would still imagine it from the early 1970s. Uh, smoky chimneys, you know, uh, people with flat caps and whippets and they would go for the stereotype it's you know a lazy way of thinking but that's just the way that some people uh some people go but yeah he um it, it is quite interesting that environmental studies was part of that visual uh thing with his with the course that he was part of so uh, it would have been great to be taught by him i think it would have been great to uh, Sadly, um, I don't think my application for Harvard uh, managed to get through. I mean, to be brutally honest, I never actually applied for Harvard, so it's no wonder. But um, certainly he managed to get to the top. I mean, you can't get any better than uh, Harvard University, certainly in the, in the US. I do think maybe the downside of that was, was that whereas Martin Parr was able to go on and join Magnum and, uh, I mean, he became very commercially successful in Magnum, Sadly, I think uh, Chris's work, he sort of like stopped at the top. It was a bit like one of those uh, fighters where he sort of decided to go off and do something else. I mean, maybe he'd reached the, the end. Maybe he wanted a bit more uh, stability with his in his life. Um, you know, social documentary isn't exactly great at paying the bills. Um, I don't know the reason for him deciding... That, um, Maybe it's just that if Harvard offer you the job, you take it. Because most people would. And maybe it's just down to that. But it would have been nice to see him carry on with that social documentary work. And I do think that he would have been able to be... add some balance between that Martin Parr uh, photography and his own. Because I think that's that's what he provided in uh, the 1980s when Inflagranti was... There's probably a lot of 
photographers who don't like Chris Killop's work. They think it's miserable or a bit preachy or something like that. But personally, I really loved it. And uh, I'm coming round to Martin Parr's work, but I still think it has issues. So I think we'll leave the podcast at that. Um, I can't really think of anything else to say about uh, Chris, apart from check his work out, because it really is worth taking a look, even if you aren't interested in documentary photography. It's just a, uh, a fantastic selection of images and portraits and captures a time in northeast England, which has since disappeared. Um, certainly, I think if I'd been a student in the northeast of England, I mean, I went to art college in Middlesbrough, which is not that far away from uh, heavy industry. Uh, and I saw in Middlesbrough in the early 1990s still some of the effects of things that had happened a decade before. Um, and again, that's another town that has changed incredibly over the last 20, 30 years. Uh, these places reinvent themselves, which is great. And I suppose uh, that's what you could argue with Chris. Uh, he reinvented himself as uh, went from social documentary photographer to uh, a Harvard professor. I think that's quite a clever reinvention, really. So check out the links on the podcast uh, page. There'll be, I, I don't know how many there'll be at the moment. There's certainly going to be about four or five. I'll probably make it six or seven, something like that. See what I can come up with. I'll also check out and see whether there's that BBC link. But I am sure that the BBC did not report his death um, until that group obituary for people uh, who died in 2020. I am sure I didn't see it on there, but I'll have a, a bit of a search. And if I do come across... The link for that on the BBC website, I'll add that as well. So thanks for listening. I will be back again in a few weeks' time with another regular podcast. Until then, check out some Chris Killop and I will see you later.